Hi everyone and welcome back to Fridays at Work. I'm Heidi Mackey and I can't wait to get into this month's episode about leadership. Maybe today's episode will spark a topic of conversation for your family's Thanksgiving dinner. We can keep it light and not as controversial though. Wink wink. Welcome back to another episode. I'm super excited for this month's topic and conversation that we're going to be having. A reminder about what this podcast is about. The purpose of this podcast is to explore the narrative surrounding the concept or idea of the glass ceiling with the focus on women and the women who are breaking through. All right, like I said before, today we're talking about leadership. What does it mean to be a leader? Can anyone be a leader? Are leaders born or made? To me, a leader is someone who takes charge and guides a conversation, group, or an organization. A good leader is someone who demonstrates a strong ethical and moral compass when making decisions that affect someone else. I think leaders are born and both made. I think there are people who have all the tools in their box to be a leader, but may lack that confidence to just go for it and take the plunge on leading. I read an article from the Harvard Business Review on women in leadership, and it brought forward some profound research ideas and methods. The particular chapter I read was Women in the Labyrinth of Leadership by Alice Eagley and Linda Carley. They started this conversation with some numbers and statistics and that I feel are very beneficial to share. So bear with me on this. We all know that I love a good statistic. So women in the workplace now hold a little more than 40% of managerial roles in the United States. Now, while that may seem great to some, it can definitely be better, and it should be better, honestly. When it comes to the C-suite, the numbers are very small and still very rare. For those of you who don't know, the C-suite is referring to positions as President, Chief Executive Officer, CEO, Chief Operating Officer, COO, and Chief Financial Officer, CFO. Within the C-suite, only 6% of women are holding these positions, and 2% of that is women holding the position of CEO. However, 15% of seats on boards are held by women. The number is higher, yet still very disappointing. These are the highest positions that one can hope to reach in their career, and we really rarely ever see women in these positions, but we are always seeing men in the sweet suite. Why? Well, here's a few reasons that I've gathered from research. Richard Nixon said it's because women are too emotional or erratic. The famous rapper T.I. says women are too emotional to be president. President Trump has made some remarks as well. There's this narrative of women having too many emotions to hold these positions, yet the narrative lacks credibility and evidence. Eagley and Carly are also bringing up the point of the glass ceiling within leadership for women. The claim here is that the glass ceiling is used as an absolute barrier for women in these high leadership positions when it should really be viewed more as a labyrinth. Now, obviously, women are reaching the C-suite, even though it's in very small numbers, but they are still reaching that corner office. 
Let's dive deeper into this conversation about looking at women in leadership as more of a journey through a labyrinth. I found this ideology to be interesting and compelling, all while making sense as well. Now, I understand that the whole purpose of this podcast is we're looking at the glass ceiling. And we still are. We're not changing anything up. But I want to take a break from the glass ceiling for a minute and look at at this as a labyrinth on our way to smash our glass ceiling. Okay, imagine this with me. Roots have, through a labyrinth, have twists, turns, and sometimes hidden roots. You know what they don't have? Direct roots to where you are going. These roots within the labyrinth require an analysis of wherever you have been and where you are going. Let me say that again. These roots within the labyrinth require an analysis of where you have been and where you are going. You have to be careful with every step to not make the wrong turn that will send you back to your starting point. What's that saying that people always say? It's like three steps forward and five steps back. Well, that can easily happen with any wrong decision you make in your labyrinth. You might be saying, okay, Heidi, we get how complicated labyrinths can be, but can you just get to the point? Yes, yes I can, and get ready to have your mind blown because mine sure was. For all the women who dream of holding a leadership position, these routes exist to leadership, but they are packed with surprise twists, turns, and hidden roots within them. Some of these roots are expected, and of course, some are not expected at all. All like a labyrinth. Now, all labyrinths have a route to the middle where the goal is obtainable. This analogy of the labyrinth acknowledges that there are challenges for every woman, and each labyrinth is custom to the woman walking its path and curated to what goal she is trying to reach. When I was reading this and making sense of it to myself, there's a particular um, image that came to mind. And some of you may have seen it before and some of you haven't, and I can try to describe it as best as I can. So it's a man and a woman on a track. Their length is the same. And the man is looking at the woman and saying, what? It's not that hard. But he only has three hurdles in his path. The woman has hurdles. She has a cr- big cracks in there. She has an ankle weight on. There's an alligator in the middle that like could eat her or something. And it's just a really great representation of how men have fewer leaps and hurdles than women do when it comes to work and life and everything else. So when I was thinking of the labyrinth, that is what I tend to think of was that graphic that I've seen before. Okay, carrying on. All women are navigating their own labyrinth and I have a few tips and suggestions for navigating your own. Again, I'm no expert on this and these are just my tips and ideas and things that I've picked up from other women. I've had my fair share of leadership positions and it wasn't easy getting there. I struggled and my biggest struggle is comparing my journey to another woman's. Do not do that. We cannot compare our glass ceilings or labyrinths or or challenges to another woman's. First off, you may not be trying to aim for the same leadership position. Therefore, your challenges won't look the same. We also really need to acknowledge that women of color have a plethora of challenges that women that are white do not have. And I cannot speak for these women of color, but I do know they face a greater deal of twists and turns than I do as a white woman. 
we also just need to acknowledge that every woman's journey, path, labyrinth, route is going to be different from our own, regardless of age, race, and socioeconomic background. It's different on your job, too. So there's really no point in comparing our journey to somebody else's. The whole point of looking at the challenges women go through when trying to obtain leadership as a labyrinth is to acknowledge these challenges, but know your goal is obtainable. Sometimes it's easier to look at this from above. So take a By now, everyone knows that I love making a list to help me look at the bigger picture. So that is what I recommend that you do too. Make a list of all the challenges you're experiencing and plan the different routes to take when the first one doesn't work. I also like to throw in just to expect the unexpected. Of course, it's hard to plan for the unexpected, but if you can just go ahead and cover all your bases, and maybe this is a good time to know what other women have gone through when they're trying to get to the position that you want, because you can use that and know that they face this challenge. Maybe you're not going to face it, but it's good to have a plan just in case. I love a good plan, and I love a good backup plan, and a backup backup plan, and a backup backup to your backup backup plan. All the planning, I love to do. I also just really love this idea of a labyrinth, y'all, in the way that I can tie it into the glass ceiling, and I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do that, because again, podcast is about the glass ceiling. We're not changing to a labyrinth. When you're walking through your labyrinth, and you finally get to the middle, That is you breaking through your glass ceiling. And then you have all the tools to break through more, help other women, and you have attained your leadership role. And that's got to be the most amazing feeling. And then you can turn and look back and you'll see all the things you went through to get there. And you can just have this overwhelming sense of joy and pride for yourself. It is now time for my favorite part of this podcast. It is time to honor our woman of the month. I always get so excited for this portion because for me, it is so much fun to research powerful women in leadership positions and then report back to you. I tend to make a list and then I will go through and do as much research as I can. And I don't have a true form for how I pick these special women. I just pick whoever stands out the most to me. Okay, are we ready? Drum roll, please. Not quite a drum sound, but you get the point still. Anna Wintour. Anna Wintour has been the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine since 1988. And I have been reading Vogue magazine since I was 15 years old. I lived for September because I always wanted... To get the September issue. It didn't matter who was on the cover. I always fantasized about myself wearing the amazing clothes. And I just loved reading the editor from the letter from the editor because Anna Wintour, she just has such a way with words, and that comes from her journalism background. She is known for her trademark bob haircut and has always seen in her amazing black sunglasses. She's known for her impeccable fashion taste and supporting young designers. Her passion for fashion started in her teens, and she went on to pursue a career that combined both passions of fashion and journalism. Wintour is no 
stranger to the journalism world as her dad was an editor of many publications while she was growing up. She started her career working for two British British magazines, then moved to the United States to work for House and Garden magazine, but then moved back to London where she became the editor of British Vogue. She worked there for two years before moving back to New York City to become the editor-in-chief of Vogue in New York. Wintour has been leading the fashion industry for 32 years and taking it by storm. She has shown that she is a powerful woman and can lead with poise and dignity. Now, she has some bad press, but who doesn't? It's been often said that she is cold and can be seen as demanding, and this has earned her the nickname Nuclear Wintour. If I were a betting woman, I would bet all of this is because she is a woman. If this was a man, he would be seen as successful and driven and a leader, but not for women. The double standards here are baffling and overrated. Frankly, I'm going to leave the, leave this segment with a few of my favorite Anna Wintour quotes that feel empowering to women. Quote number one. I think I'm decisive and I like to get things done quickly. So if it comes across as an intimidation, I'm sorry to hear it, but it's, but it's more in the interest of getting things done. Okay. Women are go-getters. We want to get things done. We don't really have a lot of time for the niceties and the chatting because we are on a mission. And there's nothing wrong with that. I hate that she even has to say something like this because people find it intimidating that she doesn't have time to chit-chat because she is busy running one of the world's most known fashion magazines. Quote number two. I think it's very important for children to understand that women work and it's fulfilling. And it doesn't mean they love you any less or care about you any less. Okay, side note here. Anna Wintour has children of her own. And I find this quote to be empowering for women who want to have children in a career. And then also for the women who already have children in a career. I mean, it's hard. And once you get on what people call the mommy track, that's all they think you care about is they don't care about work anymore. And there's a stigma that if your mom works too much and as a child, you should be upset. Like she doesn't love you and she only loves her job. That's not true, and I love that Anna Wintour is saying this and reaffirming to women that you can work and love your children all the same, and reaffirming to children your mom loves you, but she loves her job, and it fulfills her, so I've just, I love that quote, and I think it's amazing. Last one, I learned how important it is to lead and be and be decisive, and to, in a way, empower other women to do their best. Oh, that one gives me chills every time I read it. We need more powerful women to speak their mind like this. We need more powerful women who are willing to share their um, quotes, their ideas, their advice, their tips and tricks, whatever you call it, Because that is how other women are going to get further. It is women supporting women. And I am just so thankful for Anna Wintour because she has been supporting women. She supports young designers. She's just all around amazing. And that's why I chose her for this month's Woman of the Month. Do with these quotes, quotes what you will. But I find them incredibly inspiring to be a leader and empowering as a woman. I found 
the topic of it in a one tour being seen as demanding and cold upsetting. She's doing and saying the same things that men have said, yet she comes off as cold and rude. This actually got me thinking about an excerpt from a book that, I, that I've pre-ordered. The book is called How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings by Sarah Cooper. This is more of a satire. The expert I'm talking about comes from the second chapter that is appropriately titled How to Talk, to, talk Like a Man But Still Be Seen as a Woman. The chapter talks about the differences in communication between men and women, how a man can say a phrase and a woman says the same thing, but because of gender and leadership, it's seen as totally different. And I'm going to go over some of these phrases and how they're interpreted for men in leadership and then how they're interpreted for women in leadership. Okay, so number one, here's the quote. I'm in the middle of something. Can we chat later? Men, when they say this, are seen as focused. Women are seen as rude. The second quote, your document needs a lot more work. Men are seen as helpful. Women are seen as abrasive. Third quote, I have four kids. Men are seen as they need a promotion so that he can take care of his family. Women are seen as can't be promoted, instead just needs to stay at home and take care of her family. Fourth quote, We should rethink this and try a different approach. Men are seen as the disruptor. Women are just seen as disruptive. Fifth quote. This really pisses me off. Men are seen as as passionate. Women are seen as hysterical and or emotional. Last one. I don't have time to plan birthday parties. Men, they're busy. Women, they're seen as a team they're not seen as a team player now i can see where a lot of these are just frustrating for women especially the one about the family with the kids how is it any different than a woman staying home than a man why should the man get a raise why can't a woman get a raise what if she's a single mom same for the man if he was a single dad he would have already gotten his raise by now Another one is that I'm in the middle of something. Can we chat later? Yeah, men are seen as focused and women are seen as rude. What are we supposed to do as women? Just drop everything that we're doing and give you all of our undivided attention? No, we're focused. We're driven. We have stuff to get done too. We can't give you all of our undivided attention. And then, of course, this this other one that bothered me is that this really pisses me off. Men are seen as passionate and women are seen as hysterical. Why? That just goes back to the women are too emotional to lead argument, and that's not true. This one just makes me think of the Brett Kavanaugh trials where some will say that he seemed passionate, but to others, he seemed a little hysterical, if you ask me, but we won't get into that. These are just triggering and problematic, and I really do want to keep dissecting a few of them, and I promise I'm not going to go off and get on a tangent. So, of course, that first phrase, we're in the middle of something, it's completely understandable. Sometimes we're busy, or we're really just in a group, and we cannot be interrupted. Um, And when men say this, they are the ones who seem focused, and women are rude. It's not rude. I already said that, but I'm going to say it again. It's not rude. We are doing the same thing as a man, trying to be in charge because we are women. We are expected to drop everything at the risk of coming off as rude if we don't. 
Sounds like a double standard if I've ever heard one. All right, the next phrase, and that one, it really does piss me really does piss me off. First off, maybe we just shouldn't use the word piss in any form. It's not professional for women or women to say in the work setting. Now, this goes back to the point of where I said men believe that women are too emotional. We already got into it. I won't say more about it. Okay, so we've talked about the journey for women in leadership and challenges that women face and talked about a successful woman in leadership. And I have a few tips or ideas for getting that leadership position that you want. And this is just my own personal experience. Okay, here are some ways that, you, that can help you in your journey to leadership. Make a list of all the reasons you think you would be good for this position. Yes, I know y'all are probably exhausted of hearing me talk about lists, but they really work. Sitting down and putting pen to paper, it just really, really works. I promise. And this also will help you build your confidence and all leaders need confidence. And I'm going to stand on this point for just a second. Not everyone is born with confidence. We can't all be these amazing, confident women. Sometimes it's something that we have to work on. And there's nothing wrong with that because women have constantly been torn down and sometimes your confidence comes off as cocky or arrogant or you just have a really big head. And that's not, that's not true at all. There is nothing wrong with being confident in yourself and your capabilities. And if you want to be a leader, you have to be confident. You have to be able to think on the fly, make a decision really, really quick and be confident in that decision and be able to stand up for it. There are so many times where I was lacking confidence within my leadership positions, and it shows. And you don't ever want to be that leader that's not confident, always second-guessing, because then you're not going to have anyone to lead, and people are going to be second-guessing you. And really, nobody wants that. So here's my tips on how to gain confidence. Every morning, and I really do this, I promise, I have a quote by some different powerful woman. Sometimes they change. Right now it's the Anna Wintour quote about leading women because of obvious reasons. But usually I go looking for a Brene Brown quote. She's phenomenal. Y'all should check out her podcast, Unlocking Us. It is so good. Okay, but I look in my mirror and I list three things I like about myself. So for me, it's I like my smile. I like the way that I know what I want and I know how to communicate that to people. And then a, and another one is I like my ability to think on the fly. So these can be things that you can see like about yourself, like your appearance, or they can, these can just be skills that you have. And I really recommend that when you do this, if you're sticking to three Do one about your appearance that you like and then do two more about skills that you have or values that you have because those are internal and that's what's really going to boost you up. So when I tell myself that I love the way that I can communicate clearly with people about what I want, that gives me a confidence of like, yeah, I can do that and I know how and I will. That brings me on to the next point of always communicate your expectations clearly so there is no room for interpretation on how you feel. When you are a leader, the worst thing that someone can do, well, 
there's plenty of them, but one of the worst things someone can do is interpret interpretate how you feel into something that you did not say or was not clear in your communication, and that is how miscommunication and conflict and arguments get started. Always be clear in your communication, and when if that means like going into a meeting with a group or one-on-one, or you're about to send out an email, think about it, write down what you want to say, and proofread, proofread, proofread. You always want to be clear in your communication. Sometimes we mess up, and that's okay too, but always try your hardest to be clear on your communication so other people cannot put words in your mouth or twist what you're saying. Be prepared to argue for yourself and show your passion on why you deserve the position and why you would be best for it. We are our own worst critics, but we are also our own best cheerleaders. Nobody knows you better than you know yourself. Therefore, you have got to be your best cheerleader and your biggest advocate. When you're a leader, if you've already obtained this leadership position, you have got to show people every day as a woman that you deserve it because there will be people going behind your back who say, she messed up this. She didn't do that. She shouldn't have this leadership position. And honestly, to me, the worst part is that some of those people behind your back will be other women tearing you down. But do not stoop to their level. Remember who you are and what you're there for. Cheer yourself on and just keep doing it and rolling with the punches and you will do this. You got this. So just have confidence in yourself. And honestly, the confidence is the biggest advice I can give you. And I hope it is the biggest takeaway. There's one last thing I want to touch on before we end this podcast. Babes support babes, girls support girls, women supporting women, however you want to say it, that is what we need to do. We need to understand that as women, we are all trying to make it. We all want to hold these leadership positions. We all want to show our value, our potential, and our worth. Therefore, we do not need to do that by dragging another woman down. You do not need to reach that C-suite by stepping on the necks of all of the women in front of you, behind you, or around you. You need these women to help lift you up to reach that C-suite so then you can help lift them up and stick out a hand when they need your help too. Please don't be that person who tears women down because she wants to get to her spot. We need to build women up so that way we can all help each other get to these leadership positions. Don't don't be that woman. Don't be that girl. Help everyone. Help your fellow women. Be that shoulder to cry on, that person to talk to, the person who understands the frustrations of working hard every day to get to this position. Babes support babes, y'all. Well, thank you everyone for tuning back into another episode of Fridays at Work. I love getting to do this research and share it with all of you. I hope this gives you a better glance at what it means to be a woman in a leadership position and how she can get there. This is only a glance at it because I, can, because I could go a lot deeper than this. 
I also highly recommend that everyone who is interested in this topic go read the Harvard Harvard Business Review's 10 Must Reads on Women in Leadership. It's available on Amazon. I think it's like $10. I downloaded it to my Kindle so I can have it forever and I highlight everything. I had to read it for my Women in the Workplace class and I still go back to it when I feel like I need to be inspired. Thanks for listening and I can't wait to see y'all next month for our next topic.